Are you in the cannabis industry looking for like-minded people that can help you grow your cannabis business? Do you want to get into this space but don't know where to start? If you're a cannapreneur or work in the cannabis industry and are looking to 10x your business growth or even get into the cannabis industry, then the Canna Playbook Incubator is for you. The Incubator is a community of like-minded entrepreneurs like yourself that come from all areas in the industry to learn how to tap into the digital space that's available to fuel your brand and sales growth. To name a few things, you get cannabis data, compliant templates, and most importantly of all, a roadmap to help you increase the equity value of your company off the bat. If you're looking to see how you can grow and get the right advice, check us out and book your free strategy call with one of our Canna operational specialists, absolutely free. They will break down what opportunities exist for your brand, your company, and tap into an awesome blueprint that you'll leave with so you can get started in scaling and leaving your competition in the dust. To learn more, check out www.cannaplaybook.com forward slash connect or check us out in the links below in the show notes. Let's connect and help you own a piece of the market today. What's going on, Canna Playbook Nation? Hope you guys are doing amazing today from wherever in the world you are tuning in from. So as always, we are on a mission to bring you stories of cannapreneurs and the very people that power the cannabis industry. So we know cannabis is a global game, and as a global game, we wanted to go overseas on today's episode and chat with my good friend, Joseph Oliver. Joseph is a social entrepreneur and sustainability leader with over 15 years of experience. His career has mainly been involved in advising private companies, governments, social enterprises, and nonprofits on how to innovate and scale using cutting edge future technologies and ethical practices for economic and societal growth. Uh, also, I actually met Joseph when I used to work and live in China. Uh, and, you know, he's a great friend uh, for many, many years. And today, Joseph, he finds himself also involved in the CBD industry. Uh, in the UK. And so today with, we will dive into how the game is actually being played over in the United Kingdom and gain some insight through Joseph on his experience with LDN CBD. Um, to give you a little background about LDN CBD, we're going to obviously go through it inside the episode. The company was actually just co-founded by Joseph Oliver and his partner Aaron Horn, uh, both of whom share a love of the cannabis plant and have a wealth of experience with its beneficial properties and health and wellness. Joseph has a number of close family and friends who are using using the plant, many to alleviate ailments, and he uses hemp extracts personally to help reduce his own stress. His partner, Aaron, was introduced to the CBD plant by a healer in Glastonbury while suffering from PTSD after an accident. He has since given public interviews on his experiences with CBD and is a lifelong advocate of the healing properties and potential of the cannabis plant. The focus led them both to open the UK's first high street shop dedicated to cannabinoids on the 5th of July of 2018 in Camden Town, London, followed shortly after with the rolling out of a select range of high-quality branded CBD products. Since then, there has been a mass adoption of CBD products, and LDN CBD has been right in the middle of this incredible market phenomena, getting early coverage from very popular outlets like the Sunday Times, the Telegraph, the Guardian, Vogue, and GQ, to name a few. So it was definitely an honor to have him on today's episode. So sit back, relax, and let's ease into today's episode. Welcome, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Canna Playbook. I have uh, a really big treat here for you today. I have one of my really good friends from back in the day. He's doing some amazing things. His name is Joseph Oliver. 
He is an expertise in conscious investing, innovation with a purpose, uh, sustainability lifestyles, and eco entertainment. Some of the topics he's known for in the industry, sending ripples around, is innovation, culture, global cultural trends, environment, sustainability, and climate, economics. He has expertise between London and China. And um, he's here today. He is also the director and co founder of LDN CBD. Uh, which is, from what I understand, Joseph, one of the, one of the top brands right now in the United Kingdom. Is that correct? Yeah, we've we've got a lovely position that people seem to know us, which is fantastic. Mm. Amazing. Thank you, Sami. Lovely to be here with you. Absolutely. So, 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 Joseph. So, you know, on the Cannabis Playbook, we normally chat about kind of how people got into the cannabis industry and tell us the, kind of their story. You know, in today's episode, I also wanted to talk about that, but also wanted to talk about kind of, we always start with the why, you know, why CBD, why did you get into the cannabis industry? What drove you into here? So can you, can you let us know like what, what kind of, what was the, your passion to get into uh, the CBD world? Yeah, sure. So I've always worked, uh, and you listed some of the, some of the areas, I've always worked in what you call kind of a bleeding edge of, or emerging economies or, or basically things that are quite innovative. So areas that are changing and um, my general role has been to kind of research and then navigate those areas and, and to produce either things like policy frameworks or, or uh, experiments or, or let's say um, case studies or, or businesses that can develop areas around kind of emerging economies and emerging industries. And similarly, obviously, um, CBD cannabis industry itself has come right out of, let's say, um, prohibition to use a kind of uh, candid term and it's become a kind of mainstream global phenomenon now globally but in the UK as well it's really kind of stepped up and out of the stigma that people had around uh, cannabis per se as a plant being only used for getting high and and the development and understanding around CBD as a um, molecule has has just grown incredible kind of knowledge in even in the mainstream where people are saying, well, okay, it's a plant, sure, um, but it's not all bad. And so my journey to get here has been, again, a bit of a mixed one, to be honest. I, um, as you know, I was in China innovate, building innovation labs for large companies and, and doing sustainability work there, right. sustainability with cities and all this other stuff, and trying to just invent new ways of approaching that in, in China, but also how that could then be exported from China to the world. And when I came back from, from China, because I kind of travel, I decided to go traveling and kind of stop living in China after I'd been there for six years. Right. I came to UK and then I decided to go to, to California as well. And, and in California, it was very different. I mean, at that time, you still had to have a medical card to access cannabis. Uh, and, but I did go to a trade show and I, and I was looking at these kind of energy bars being sold there. And I was like, well, hold on, it's got no THC in it. It's only CBD. And the guy was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, that means it's legal in the UK. because they've just changed the laws. And I was like, well, in that case, have you ever sold to the UK? And I asked the same question to about probably 20 vendors. Right. And absolutely nobody had exported to the UK, which gave me the feeling that, well, this is a nascent industry. There's probably going to be a huge demand in the UK. And yet nobody's um, capitalizing on that. No one's exploring what that means. Mm-hmm. So that was in 2000 and beginning of 2016 so okay already four years ago yeah so what was i was gonna just ask you just to take a second like so what what was it in 2016 what was the sentiment or i guess the education gap in understanding something like a c like bringing a cbd product to market in uh the uk 
it didn't really exist um and so for the next year and a half um two things happened one is i decided to make a product around women's health because i thought that's the most applicable uh, area and i've always been a large proponent of supporting and looking at areas that especially women could be improved and frankly women's health has been highly kind of ignored by pharmaceuticals uh, for a long time or exploited and i just was thinking well hold on this is a natural um painkiller it's a natural it's naturally works on things um you know around the endocannabinoid system which help a lot uh, during um women's cycles and women's health and there's been huge amounts of since then huge amounts of scientific evidence back that up as well and what i did was i end up not doing that in fact um because mm. i got distracted to work on a government project and also with a multinational i invented a large framework for them that they're rolling out across twenty thousand people and instead I just was like, oh, okay, I'm going to put that on ice. But during that time, my father was rather sick. He had prostate cancer and I was trying to get CBD for him. And I kept realizing that each time I got it, it was in like a different vial or a different package and it looked different. And I was like, well, where has this come from? And there was no information, no labeling, zero track and trace. There was no uh, description. It was just kind of like 150 quid out of my pocket for something which I, you know, it's very hard to quantify or, or track. And I was right. saying, it's happening because this is a legal product. And in fact, it's kind of even worse because theoretically I could be being sold something which wasn't legal. And right. so in this kind of difficult situation whereby I knew my dad was taking medicine and I wanted him to get medicine, but I didn't actually know the provenance or the quality of the medicine that I was trying to procure. Right. So I thought, fuck, that's a massive gap. And like, what the hell is going on with this? And I was, I think, at dinner with a really good friend of mine and he owns a shop in Camden. And we kind of looked at each other and we're like, well, well, why don't we open a shop for it? And he'd been wanting to do that for a while. And we shook hands and we, and we said, okay. And at the time I had a team um, in place for the other projects I was doing. So I just kind of said, okay, well, why don't we just set this up on the cusp? And I think it took two months to open or a month and a half, six weeks, something like that to open the first dedicated shop to CBD in the mm. UK. And at the time, before that, there were other shops selling CBD. There was a great, there was a great one on uh, Portobello Road called Hemp Botanics. Fantastic work they did. It's just that's not their focus. So their focus was generally around hemp and 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 these things. So they they also delved into machinery, for instance, um, right? Machinery and things things that I just thought, well, that's great if you're in the industry, you know, like a trade trade type thing. But as a consumer, like I really just, I'm really just looking for a gummy or, or looking for a capsule, you know, and I want right. to know it's, I want to know it's lab certified and I want to know it's provenance. Mm. It's got to be competitive price. So we were the first dedicated CBD shop to set up, which allowed, and we're now open seven days a week um, with customer services trained to allow someone to literally come in touch a field get advice on what product might be most suitable for them because we've had thousands and thousands of customers we now kind of say well if you're looking at that stuff it probably someone's also bought this for that something you know and given us good feedback the first time that we could provide customer service to people to say well what do you need you know how can we help you and there's laws in the uk whereby you're not allowed to give medical advice so you're right. not allowed to say this cures or treats this but you know one thing's very important is that we have a lot of customer information. So we, people have, you know, given us testimonials and said, I've used this balm for psoriasis, for instance, anecdotal, and it's basically testimonials. Um, it's, which is how we've educated our, our team and, and, and help people to understand what might be best for them without 
without crossing the line, which is the law, or or, or saying that we're the medical doctors. So, right, right, right. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a common rule. I mean, with um, advertising, I was just about to say that you know, you're, there's a thin line between when you say this thing cures or it assists or it helps something, right? And I think you know whether, whether it be marketing or whether it be customer service, uh, I think that's a really huge you know just a point that a lot of businesses out there forget when they're selling. I mean, this is a medicine after all, right? And people that are questioning what is this medicine, like you were questioning for your father, what's in this bottle? I'm about to give this medicine to my father and he's going to ingest it. I mean, we, we, as, we as just consumers want to know that we're taking a good quality product and it's going to affect us in the correct way, right? right. So. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, I was just saying at the time, you know, there were, there were absolutely no laws on what it meant to have quality in the evening. They've just finally put in guidelines around the FSA ruling here around what's called the Novel Food Act, which will then make this food product more safe. But at the right. time, even right now, it's, you know, it's voluntary. And what that meant was effectively, you know, there is a lot of crap that's being sold. There's a lot of bad quality product being sold and brought into the UK market, uh, resynthesized into products, for instance and sold because it's, it's cheap and because it was able, your people were able to cut corners. So that's the next thing I learned by opening the shop is that actually majority of products aren't very good that are available and everyone's marketing them like this is the new, the new thing and it's great. And you know, either they have ne- no CBD in them or very little C active ingredient or for at, perhaps they have zero ability to track their supply chain. So they don't actually know where they're getting their product from. They just bought it from another broker. Right. So very interesting experience because still you're looking at huge numbers, maybe 85% of the UK market. They don't really know where their supply chain comes from. So that's something that we decided to change. So we started to make our own products as well. Mm. Um, and from that, like we really drilled down into having track and trace, for instance. So our bottles have batch numbers on them. Uh, you can track them back to the acreage. We have, you know, high compliance. Um, and we're, we're basically matching the same level of compliance that you find in places like Colorado, which has had it for 10 years, you know? And that's right. why we kind of were like, well, you don't have to, but we believe this is the right path. And so we've been very active in kind of pushing the boundary, but we don't do any marketing or promotion around it. We've just done it. And the Got reason it's just like, that's how it should be done. And frankly, again, it's like if you're giving it to your family, like this is the minimum, you know? Right, right. We know this is out there, so let's do that. And then let's see where this goes. Because in the next five, 10 years, there might be things that we discover that are new. There might be better processes that we can put in place. You know, that's natural with an emerging industry. But at least let's do the highest quality now and see what goes on. Oh, 100%. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, <clears throat> there's been talk about, you know, using the blockchain for the cannabis industry to track a lot of the stuff from the supply chain. There's been talk about spraying, you know, with an invisible dye, some of the flour that comes out with hemp flour, even the THC flour that's being sold out here in California, track from, you know, seed to sale. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that that's a, you know, you bring up a great point. It's a super important thing to understand, you know, when you're buying your product, are you buying it from a broker or are you buying it from someone that knows exactly where that product is actually starting from? Right. I think that's a huge difference when it comes to that sale and that, and, and just the trust that that brand can really build with that consumer. Now, you know, with that said, do you find a lot of the people coming into the uh, LDN CBD store asking a lot of like inquisitive questions or are they very much like just hearing for CBD, but for the first time, 
or are they more so somewhat knowledgeable, but they want to learn more? So at the, at the start, it was very much like, what's this? I've read it in the papers, probably because an article about us was in the papers. We've had a lot of press, but they're just like, what's this? What, what can you tell me and how, how, will it, how will it help me or how does it work with me? And these kind of questions, very, very basic level. What we found, because we've been open now uh, quite a long time, maybe 22 months or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're, we're, we're now getting people come in and they know exactly what they want. And they're, what, they're, you know, what we've found is that we've migrated from nobody knowing and us not particularly knowing either into a state where if you know CBD, our shop's kind of the place where you go. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, and, and often people go there just so they can, they can kind of um, ask much more complex or detailed questions with the staff. Um, partly because it's like there isn't really anywhere else you can go. Um, and, and sometimes the customer service in other places that you might be able to come go are, are a little bit, let's say, inconsistent. Mm. So you have different people um, and they won't necessarily know. Like there's quite a famous shop here in the UK where you can go in, the guy will, they just don't know anything about the products they're selling, you know? And then the next day you'll find the founder and they'll tell you everything, but it's like, hold on, what if I just turned up once? Am I, that's a hit or miss situation. So we've kind of established it as kind of consistent quality and that's what's really important. Um, but what we find now is, yeah, it's really like almost down the funnel of knowledge. Like we're, if you already know what CBD is, that's, the, that's our customer now. So gotcha. it's a nice progression in some ways. Gotcha. And, and how do you find, you know, your customer base growing uh, like on a month to month basis Are more people kind of going back, taking the CBD, telling their friends and family, do you, fi- do you find things are spreading more word of mouth in London or do you do any, um, you know, given that this is the kind of playbook, do you, do you guys do any online marketing uh, for your brand right now in the UK? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So actually in the first year we had no marketing, none. Wow. Okay. We got interviewed by the BBC four times. We had like uh, 12 national papers cover us. We, okay, we so quite, PR. So you got a lot of PR then. Yeah, but we did nothing. We did nothing to attract it. So this was purely um, earned media and received. So oh, we just, very nice. yes, them. We, we didn't go out and spend any budget. In fact, the whole thing was done on a kind of bootstrap situation, which was just really about can we get quality products here um, right, right. and provide a service. And it wasn't until over a year that it started that we started saying well is this going to be a business you know um which is a very different approach from most people in the industry that i've met you know a lot of people saying wow let's jump on the bandwagon we can make money this is how we're going to do it you know and what we did we we basically went let's do great service and and get great products and how are we going to do that and so our basis is very strong we went okay now let's make a business and um that has included uh putting budget aside to test 16 different marketing channels partly Mm -hmm. because there isn't so much understanding about what does or does not work in the uk at least there's a lot more understanding in the us again here so there are very much similar but there are some nuances let alone the cultural and, and and social trends that affect it here um so we've we've gone ahead and and what we've found some very interesting statistics for our marketing for instance is we have we have nearly a 40% return rate of customer. Wow. So I was told by a very experienced VC in this, in this industry that that's the second highest they'd ever seen. And the first highest they'd ever seen was actually because it was a farmer selling to their friends. And then, um, the, the next highest 
closest to us is something like a 15% rate. So what we've done is just created a very sticky environment for people to come and feel safe and feel like this is the trust that's been lacking in the industry. We've kind of created a microcosm of it. So a lot of that does come from word of mouth. We've had uh, royalty putting the putting the um, products on planes and shipping them around the world. We've had um, celebrities choosing our products and and uh, putting them on on repeat order. We've had all walks of life, um, and and also people who come in with very very serious illnesses and, and injuries. Um, and the way we've always positioned it and stated is, especially to the team, is that the, the shop and the and the specifically the point itself is what effectively called the front line. And it's kind of like, because there's all kinds of people come in and it's, it's just, there isn't a consistent, Oh, we're doing to 25 to 35 year old millennial, you know, like it doesn't work. Right. 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 It's it's more, it's more of a conversation about health, about that person, what they're looking for to achieve in their health, whether they're, you know, looking for just, you know, their joints are aching to, they need better sleep to, you know, whatever it may be, you guys guide them or guide the customer to the right product, it seems like. So I think that's, that's, a, that's a great foundation because you learn so much just talking to people. I think one of the, you know, things that we've installed as well too, you know, for some of the companies that we work with is when, whenever we're getting traffic, one of the first things I always tell, um, you know, business owners and CBD companies is that, you know, right now what we're facing, whether it be the United States or, you know, and we're a little bit further along, um, or whether it be the UK or anywhere else, you know, most people are just searching um, about their ailment. They're not searching for CBD. They're searching for how to fix this problem or this issue that they're having, right? So we always install kind of like a survey, a mobile-friendly survey um, for people to kind of like, you know, a gamification thing to take a quiz. And, you know, when, when we ask some of the questions on there, you know, some of the responses that we get back and, you know, an important question that we normally ask is, you know, what would you like CBD to do for you? And we asked, do you want it to help you sleep better? Do you want it to help with your pain? Do you want it to help with just overall health balance? And majority of people, about 70% always talk about sleep and anxiety, just like letting go, you know, of the day mm. that they're experiencing it. So that was pretty fascinating. I mean, you know, we've, we've tested several different traffic networks and we're kind of getting the same answer. And, and, and you know, in another category, uh, when it comes to, you know, what, um, you know, how do they want to, uh, you know, take their CBD, you know, you get a lot of responses about gummies and, and, and edibles is always a great area right now in the United States, but you know, oils and tinctures um, are the next best thing. But the, the next biggest problem that we found was most people don't even know the dosaging, right? right. They'll, they'll say they'll first question, ask them, how much do you know about CBD? And you know, one of the choices is I know everything about it. Right. So it's funny because most people say, I know everything about it. And then when it comes to the question about dosaging, they always answer, I don't know. Right. Um, and, and, and which is, which is interesting because, you know, I, our hypothesis, what we told the business owners where you cannot sell the customer right away. You need to understand your customer first, right? And that's exactly what you're doing at the front line is you're understanding the customer. You're not saying, Hey, buy this one. Cause this is one bottle, get one free. It's more like, you know, what's your issue? What's your problem? I think this might be best to facilitate your situation. Right. And that's, you know, and I think we're using that same kind of concept online. So that's very interesting. I mean, that, that, that works really well that we were finding. And I imagine it works like gangbusters to offline for sure. Yeah. I mean, we do have an e-commerce shop and we do, so we have a direct consumer program. We also sell wholesale. Um, so we've sold through other, we sell through other kind of quite established um, shops in, in around 
uh, Europe. Um, but yeah, one of the first things we started to do was collect customer data in a way which was kind of non-invasive. And um, it, we had over 700 volunteers in the first nine months provide us with the information as to why they're buying, um, which is funny because there was a quite a well-known um, market research company that released a whole very seriously taken um, report and they only had 262 people uh, interviewed. So we've collected quite a lot of information, yeah, and, and um, both quantitative and qualitative data around why and how people are using CBD in the UK. Um, right. And then we've been able to also see quite a lot of the different sides of the industry. First, we have retail, which is, you know, it's very front line. We then developed our own products. We started selling wholesale. We started to see, well, what, what's going on there? How does it work when you don't actually meet the customer? And I think there's a lot of brands who have no idea too much about their right. customer relying on uh, secondhand evidence, and it's probably not doing them any justice. And then also doing this kind of direct-to-consumer e-commerce um, ability. So we can ship anywhere in England in, within 24 hours. And um, we've noticed that also that kind of has kind of um, – it brought, it's very much broadened our, let's say, customer base, but it's also just serviced them because at the very beginning we had nine out of 10 were coming from Europe and we had 10% coming from North America. So we had loads of customers from North America buying our stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. How long, but, would, how long would it take to get to America in shipping time? Well, we, we allow for them to do freight forwarding. So it's, um, it's depending on the carrier they wish to take and how much they want to pay. But obviously, gotcha. anywhere between, uh, you know, expedited service of FedEx, which can be in 24 hours, down to uh, three weeks on the boat, I guess. Um, you know, but what was interesting is that it's, we had people who were saying, well, even though they're in the States, they're not getting the right information for CBD. And that's, mm. that's been quite an interesting thing for us. Um, and, yeah, we have a lot of data, a lot of information around it. We had a very senior person in, in a uh, quite an established agency market research agency crack those details that data for us and provide us with quite a comprehensive report on how we should approach we've then fed that into um our seo strategy our marketing strategy fed it into simple things like what do we put on our label um so we're always kind of developing and, and um reinventing what we should or should not be doing you know it's an emerging industry and anything still could change uh, not yeah no one hundred percent. I mean, I was gonna, you know, kind of shift and ask you, what do you think some of the major developments in the CBD industry are going to be uh, in twenty twenty and as we approach twenty twenty one? I mean, you know, this industry is is definitely somewhat not established one hundred percent, but it's getting there, right? It's supposed to be a a you know multi billion dollar industry. It's, some estimates say it's going to be thirty billion. Some say seventy. You know, uh, you know. I, the last I checked, the CBD global market breakdown, Europe was about 11%, uh, close to 12% of the market. Americas were about 78%, Asia Pacific, about 9%. Uh, you know, where do you see this industry moving to? Do you see a lot of, you know, globalization of brands being global or more localized brands in different continents? I think that, um, yeah, there's usually a degree to myopic kind of, soothsaying that goes on from economists what i can say is the potential of the industry is huge it depends on who you are as to what size the industry will be and then in what form it will take but there are some serious shifts happening one of them is you know the move away from things like 
um, synthetic painkillers, opioids, mm. it, with their, there is huge development using cannabinoids in order to block pain. So that's, you know, that industry is far larger than 40 billion a year already. Right. You know, so what happens if you take an industry, just one industry like painkillers, and you say, well, what if the whole industry would shift, you know? Like, right isomically over the five, next five to 10 years, then that's just one element that, that cannabis can affect. Um, I don't think we're going to see anything like this in our lifetimes again, whereby an agricultural product, which can be used for things like plastics, hair, building materials, medicine, uh, fast FMCG, will, and all of it is pretty much the same genus, same plant, will come out of prohibition and suddenly be like, okay, the round, round the world, now you can grow it. What do you want to right. do with it? And right, in an right. age that we're in now, where we have advanced technology, we have the ability to, you know, uh, mess with genes, we have the ability to do mass production, we have huge uh, innovation capacity globally, not just centered in one place, um, you're going to see massive adoption of, 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 I would say, the plant into, into everyday life. Um, there are toothpastes with it now. Um, but more of the point is like, what if it, replace plastics you know that's yeah. another multi-billion pound industry what if right. it replaces yeah. uh, batteries so right now they've just they have some research that's reported that the hemp batteries are made with the with the hemp uh, are more conductive and cheaper than graphene wow batteries. and they're better they're more conductive than lithium batteries wow. now hold on a second how many people have a lithium battery in their phone oh right. Right. everyone who owns an iphone you know right right so, right what if the battery industry takes off? What if the plastics industry takes off? What if the what if just the painkilling aspect of the medicine industry takes off? So this is people are, aren't thinking; they're just thinking, well, what is it if if you're selling wholesale biomass or you're selling crude or you're selling CBD isolate? You know, but what's really going to happen is a shift in whole industries. That's what I'm seeing. Um, right. I think that if you if you're talking to someone who's purely in in let's say the cannabinoid industry. Um, I would say that probably next year and, and, and then the forthcoming three, four years will be about understanding what the other cannabinoids do because right. there's loads. Uh, I there's, think Technion University in Israel has identified 146 or something like that. Yeah, you know? yep, yep. I know, know CB, CBG and CBN were very uh, popular, two new compounds, uh, you know, at the MJ BizCon conference in uh, yeah. Las Vegas this past year. Uh, yeah. I mean, 2019, and you know, there were a couple companies out there that were promoting that for more specific uses, and obviously, there's many more cannabinoids as you mentioned. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think you know the edge. I think education, education tech is going to be super important through you know con the right content needs to be produced out there. People need to be educated on the masses. Um, you know, I think there should be a huge push towards just the you know questioning because you know you're you're right. There is a stigma still here too in America, as much as there is in, in, in the UK or anywhere, right? Uh, I know if I approached, you know, my parents with, you know, the, the marijuana leaf logo, it would be very alienating versus just, you know, CBD, they may not know it, but still, I think people need to understand where their medicine is coming from, right? And I still, yeah. and, I, and I think they need to understand the power of that this, this is not a plant that should have any kind of stigma. It should be understood as a plant that not only would help health, but like you said, there's so many areas of sustainability that it can inject into the ecosystem. Uh, I was going to ask you, do you have any plans, um, you know, just as a, as a sustainability person that, you know, really takes all of your projects that I've seen 
have such a you know sustainability kind of eco-friendly innovative kind of outlook how do you feel you're going to infuse cbd other than just you know as medicine are you are you looking to join any other verticals out there in the near coming future yeah great question so yeah it has it has for 15 years all of my entrepreneurship endeavors have basically had a social ethical and environmental context alongside yep. the comic one i love yeah. beijing honey and a gung-ho gung-ho pizza was my favorite uh oh yeah Joseph. yeah Oh, I ate so much gung-ho pizza. It was yeah. ridiculous when we were out there. But no, those are amazing brands. And I can tell you from my personal opinion, you know, what I've seen you do from We Impact to gung-ho pizza to Beijing Honey. Again, Beijing Honey, product that has a sustainable outcome when it was sold, right? And, and at the same time, it's supporting, you know, the roots of where it came from. So, yeah, cool, and I cool. think CBD can have the same thing in terms of just, you know, like you said, building blocks or seats or wood and plastic so there's so many areas do you where do you see or are you have you seen anybody or any other businesses to take uh you know to a look at you know in 2020 or 2021 that are that are coming yeah, yeah yeah i mean you know i'll start with the let's say the cultivation supply and what needs to happen is the the real kind of merging of of usual commodity business so it, if you look at any other industry, you know, tobacco, for instance, um, the raw material is grown in places where it's cheap to grow it, right? And then it's right. processed and sold into packaged goods in the countries which can afford to buy it. And in the countries that can't afford to buy it, it's cheaper, but they still sell it. So right. on a very fundamental basic level, if you look at the cannabis industry, what's funny is that you have places which have very high costs of production producing the cannabis or right. CBD. And it makes no sense. So you know, with the recent development, for instance, of Colombia going legal and, and people growing CBD down in Colombia, you have a very low cost of production. Um, there is Africa's opened up as well. A number of countries recently have, have opened up licenses in Africa. And so it makes sense to grow in these places where it's very cheap to grow, um, right. grow en masse. There aren't any costs of fertilizer. So the things that come pretty much organic, um, process those and then sell them back into, let's say, the more affluent areas of the world. Um, mm. And that hasn't really happened yet. So there's quite a disparate cannabis industry per se. And so what you're doing is you're buying basically high production um, uh, quantities, usually from places like America or some places in Eastern Europe. But again, it's like they're, they're siloed, they're islands compared to a global network. So one right. of the things that's going to happen is, is more integration, more connection, mm. larger companies which really do span three or four continents as opposed to one that's in Canada and sells to Germany, you know, like mm -hmm. that's really short sighted as far as I'm concerned. So I think that this is one of the things cultivation supply, you know, it's commodity. It's going to be who it's going to, there's going to be a race to the bottom. And the question then becomes who owns those and how can they get them out to the other places? So distribution logistics and, and um, operating in far more than one country is very important. So I think that's a massive thing that's going to happen. I've seen yep. a number of companies going towards that. I know a number of companies raising money for, to do that. And I know a couple of the large companies that exist are trying to do that and seem to have hit hurdling blocks. So it still hasn't really been done yet, which is, makes it a huge opportunity. You know, cannabis yep. growth, I say, its operational capacity is not global, even though it says it's global. Mm. It, you know, most of the places that have deployed, for instance, are not operational or don't have the licenses or aren't producing, as in they're not making money. So it's a huge sunk cost to their end. But in, in the reality, at some point, someone will crack it and there'll be something that is working, you know, internationally. Um, yep. So that's the cultivation thing. 
And I think that there's a huge space that's something that I'm, I'm very interested in, in looking at is how do you take that raw material and invent something, right? Mm. Whether it be a, a new high tensile plastic used for um, the cockpit of a flying plane or how, or how is it used for, um, you know, packaging and wrapping or these kind of things. Packaging, wrapping, know? parts of a car, you know, there's, there's yeah. so many applications. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think Mercedes has been using hemp in the cars for the last, a long, a long time, I think it is. I'm not sure exactly how long, but quite a long time, maybe over six years. They've already been using it because it can be as strong as steel when it's laminated properly. Now, and far more eco-friendly. So this is you're starting to also touch on my uh, ecological um, ambitions here. But I think that the question is, what can we do with these supplies, whether it be inventing new medicines, inventing new um, wellness products, inventing alternatives to plastics, to foams? You know, there's absolutely no reason why you can't have uh, the generic yoga mat being made out of hemp and at the similar cost for it to be made out of what is effectively... Um, fossil fuels because there's a lot of plastics made in yoga mats you know so yeah yeah no i i think there's a space for you know for symbiotic you know horizontal industries like just like you just said yoga and hemp yeah. right that probably would go one in one and so if we were to see the birth of change uh you know happen in you know hemp in being infused it would be where the the understanding of that product is is most accepted right yeah, so it'd be i think diff- yeah, go ahead. Well, the other interesting thing to know is there's things like the car industry. You know, one of the first cars ever made was made out of hemp materials, you know? Oh, really? Okay. It can also run on biofuels. So it can be run on hemp, hemp fuel, hemp energy, right? So mm-hmm. the car industry, which is, which is you know, quite destructive, um, could take a lot from that. And then what's funny is that the airline industries draw a lot of innovation from car industries. That's just because their, their, their cycle for development is faster in the car industries. So I know large airline um, makers, the people who build their aircraft, are looking into this. And it's like, well, what if the whole plane was made out of hemp? You know? Like, what does that start to look like? It starts to be a plant-based material as opposed to an extraction-based material, as opposed to a mining-based material, as opposed to fossil fuel material. Right. So, the, the, these are fun, huge fundamental shifts that once scale is reached on growing this plant should be able to be achieved, you know? Um, so that's the invention section on there. And I'm personally right now in the development of, of looking at how a lab could be built to, to, to start to service this. And hopefully there'll be some, some news come out soon around that and, and maybe we'll have them back on to describe it. But that's something I've got in the works. And I've been building innovation spaces, labs, teams, environments, processes, and protocols for the last literally 15 years. And then having done, gone and done it at uh, Stanford Business School, I realized that, you know, even the most kind of comprehensive and intelligent uh, approaches uh, could be improved. And a lot of the areas that they don't, they fall down on are things like ethics, happiness, understanding yeah. of consciousness, awareness of empathy. Uh, what does it mean to have a heart-based business? These kind of questions, which I've done a lot of work on. So I think that, by bringing that into this space, I think we could have the semblance of the beginnings of something which, which are globally transformational uh, inventions, but really coming from, from the heart, you know? And, oh, not the, and, and really to replace also what might be called vested and, and established uh, destructive industries. I think that's the potential of this plant. And that's, that's quite a powerful thing to say, but I'm not going to, 
you know, it's possible due to the fact of the technology and the timing, you know, that's what's going on. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. I mean, do you feel, you know, let's just say in the next five, 10 years that we as a society are going to feel, you know, the effects of a lot of this stuff, you know, with really within the next five, 10 years, this is something well, that's coming right around the corner, I would imagine. Yeah, I do hope so. I do know that the medicine, basically the, the, the pharmaceutical industries have been severely disrupted, you know, because right. they're already aware that this plant has so many uses. It has, has ways to cure things that, that, it, that their products cannot. Things like psoriasis, eczema, you know, they cannot be treated with steroids. They can be reduced. They can be, you know, it shuts down what's going on. But the use, for instance, of CBD on, on those, those issues can provide a cure and that's very interesting and that's that's a peer-reviewed study whereby um, the CBD reduces the re renewal rate of the cells to a point where it can actually heal itself so you know whole I don't know established brands that people have been using and, and pharmaceutical patents are going to be devoid and irrelevant you know just mm. from this plant so there's a lot of innovation research going on in the pharma level um, and then in terms of FMCG you know, people are starting to think, firstly, it's a novel thing, right? So people are taking it like a novelty. I'll chuck right, it in right. the drink, I'll add it to this thing, I'll make some cocktail bitters with CBD in it because, you know, but I, I don't really understand why. But, you know, <laughs> other, other aspects which are like, uh, you know, I would say um, have very low efficacy. So right. there's a lot of ideas there. But that's just because they're like, I want to take the name CBD and use it in my effectively to brand something that's already... Right, right, to make money and to profit off the, uh, off, the, off the buzz yeah. and so forth. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you know, but, but with that said, you know, edibles and, you know, my, my personal opinion on edibles is that it, I think any trace amount of CBD, if you can... It's kind of like if you eat cookies, right? And you eat, you eat cookies and crackers and this and that. You're getting a little bit of carbohydrates or a lot of bit of carbohydrates every single time you eat that. You're getting sugars. You're getting whatever other, you know, stuff is inside there. So there is a lot of bad stuff in there. and People eat that all the time, right? You know, yeah. I, I don't know how true this is, but if you do put CBD in, you know, people don't just eat one cookie or one chip. They eat the whole bag or the whole box. Now, if there was CBD in there, and I don't know the efficacy of that CBD in an edible, right? But if there was, you know, some efficacy, because, you know, nowadays people take their vitamins through gummies, I do think that it'll allow certain people that are not, that are alien to pills and oils and things like that, it'll give them access to the medicine, yeah. right? And even yeah. their bodies may not heal 100%, like someone like that's taking a tincture or someone that's taking it a little bit more on, on the more traditional side. But I do think that overall, their visits to the doctor's office may go down a little bit. They might maybe come off of one or two of their, you know, uh, you know, 10 medicines that they take. They will yeah. reduce the impact upon, you know, the healthcare system in all countries, you know? So I do see that this happening is a, is a gate that's really waiting to be open. But I think the biggest hurdle, um, and that's what my next question was, you know, what's the biggest hurdle that we see in the CBD industry right now in 2020 uh, globally. And I think a lot of it is just clear uh, regulation, just letting us know yeah, what is what and what is not. I mean, basically the, the industry right now is based mostly on trust and commerce, right? Right, right. So it's a mix between, I know the guy versus, I think I can make money on this thing, right? right. So and you, know, you do, and I say this very generally, I'm speaking globally, I'm not speaking about a specific territory where yes, they have this and that. No, globally, this is the situation. You know, like people have not transacted in this commodity before, high value, 
it's there are certain sources where it's reliable and lot that aren't you know so right. i think that the, the biggest obstacle right now is is yeah a, a kind of transactional protocol a trusted protocol um and partly that's that will be down to the slowness of the adoption within people's awareness of the products so it's not just a technical technological fix right um i do see also that the the, the cbd cannabis as such is also open the door to other plant-based medicines yeah it is, so it is. people I mean, are now saying a... oh okay you, you you stop that but you know and it's quite obviously got huge value and that was you know that was a bad idea or now it's now it's legal and what about other things so i think that there's going to be you know and there's probably thousands of botanicals out there in the wild that have various different properties which have been ignored, not researched properly, or in fact, perhaps deliberately shut down by pharmaceutical companies. You know? Oh yeah, I mean, the, the, mental, the mental health industry, right? Uh, Joseph, I mean, the mental health industry is a clear example of why we have a lot of other issues and problems from those same people. Um, you know, like a lot of the people that have fought for war, right? Mental health has been a big issue definitely here in America. And I know in Denver, they just approved, I think, psilocybin. Uh, they're already researching psilocybin. They're trying to come up with maybe some type of medicine to put certain people through with psilocybin. And I think, you know, and I think in Silicon Valley, you hear stories about people microdosing with some of these other yeah. types of plant medicine. Um, and there's a rhyme and a reason for it, right? Like you got to ask yourself. These are very smart individuals, um, you know, that are microdosing. It's, it's it's a word where, for those of you out there that may not know that, it's when you take a minute amount. Um, you know, point one uh, of something or, you know, whatever the, the item might be, you know, it, it, to just feel a small effect, but it does help you transition as far as psilocybin is concerned and does help you transition from all of those different feelings that one would feel to more a positive set of feelings, right? It changes your mood and changes your mindset. Um, and I think that's really what we're going to be experiencing is this kind of, um, I, I kind of call it the, the health renaissance, you know, that we're going through right now here. This is somewhat of a health renaissance because we're allowing us to take our health back and heal ourselves without the assistance of a whole system that's their where their goal is not to really help us, it's to maintain our situation, right? Yeah, sick, sick care rather than, you know, yeah. maintaining you as a sick person. There's a lot of money in that, especially in America. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, and I, and I think that's really where, you know, companies like yourself, you know, that are, that are taking the strive uh, to, to answer the questions and to, you know, to, to really be helpful, not salesy, you know, to really be guiding, um, you know, kind of like, um, you know, back in the day, like a, like a sage, right? Uh, back mm -hmm. in the day, you know, sadhus, you know, in, in India, you know, used to smoke, uh, you know, the, the cannabis plant and use it for its rituals. Shamans used to understand these things and those were that's a lost ancient culture you know yeah, that's a yeah. and i think we need to as 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 people bring that back for our society and for our health of our society um and, and you know and, and in our role you know here we obviously look at it from helping the right companies get their messaging and their education out there right because if the right companies start talking the right messaging and the right content more people will digest that, the more minds will be more inquisitive, people will search for stuff and then they'll seek better solutions, right? If they know that they even exist in the first place, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things, you know, to, to reference shamanic practitioners is that, um, you know, effectively shaman is, is a medicine 
man, medicine woman. Um, and their role is twofold. One of which is to provide you with the um, means necessary to solve your illness, your sickness. Okay. And that can come in many forms, but other, other the other context for them, uh, well, a couple of other context. One of the contexts is also to create ritual. So to create right. environments where people can come together. I think that that's, Another thing that will be, you're asking what's going to happen in the future, I think also that there will become more established networks and communities of people who are uh, kind of self-hacking these cannabinoids and saying, well, I tried, you know, a very vague one and it did this. And so sharing that information. And the other thing that, that shamanism per se does, and I like the reference to it because ultimately shamanism, shamanism is the art of working directly with the with direct uh, revelation yeah mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. about allowing people to have direct revelation revelation themselves or direct experience of the world you could call it transpersonal eco psychology if you want to put it in a, some sort of you know uh, medical terminology but basically what that person is doing is allowing the individual to connect to their healing themselves right yeah um and one of the things that uh, CBD does, one of the things that cannabis as a plant does is it activates and mirrors our endocannabinoid system. And our endocannabinoid system creates this homeostasis within which the body is able to heal itself again. Right. So, you know, that's the state of that our body needs to be in, in to be healthy. So I think that when you're saying, you know, also you, you're talking about things like diabetes and people who are, who are chronically sick, you know, the reality is that by engaging with this plant, engaging with plants as a medicine per se, there are there are paths of which you can take to to come into the state where your body will start to heal itself. And that means you don't need someone else. You don't need a company to sell yourself something. You know, like you you create the healing yourself. And from that point, perhaps you don't even need the CBD. You know, you don't need the plants afterwards. So I see it as a very empowering uh, situation whereby that that will come into into development as the communities developed as the products developed as the as the international system for exchanges developed around it yeah yeah and uh, i think like i was just going to reference uh i had read something really awesome on your uh site uh joseph it was about the kachina eagle right mm. and and i love what it what it what it represented and what it what it what it meant and it's kind of like what we've been talking about here is that you know humankind you know has ignored the message uh, you know, that, you know, the world is facing crisis, not just in, you know, in, in pretty much every area in our lives, right? Yeah. And this is just the medicinal health area. And I think that that, that story was pretty powerful of, of what it represented and kind of where we are today, you know, um, within the space of, of CBD and medicine, of, of just health in general in, in the world. Yeah, and, but I think it's so fascinating, exactly the same plant literally could could replace the you know the plastic that's used uh, to make your TV controller. Yeah, you know? it's, yep. it's it's just mind blowing for me to think that you know there isn't actually that you know the buildings that you live in could be made out of hemp and it's and it's a better building material than most. Um, yeah, us being ecological, so it's like one of the few things that you could literally eat uh, is a medicine can build your house from, you can run your car, you can build your car off it, you can build pretty much else, everything else you've got. You know, it, it could potentially be a solution to some of the very entrenched issues that we have in this world, you know, yep. where, where the, that we're talking about in terms of, um, you know, destruction of the environment from extraction, destruction from mining, you know, yep. Yep. inequality due to the fact that, 
in those circumstances, there's very few and a very high, it's a high technological cost, high technological acronym needed to extract, needed to uh, mine. Um, whereas in the case of this plant, it's like, no, you, you, you don't actually need to do anything. You could probably just throw some seeds in your garden and something will grow, you know? Yep. And, and I'm not yep. saying that's a professional approach to it, but it's not, it's, you know, if you go back and look at history and say, well, what happened in Texas when people could literally just kind of like make the hole themselves and start to collect oil, you know, yeah, like, yeah. that that's, that's the level we're talking about here and it will get professionalized, but at the same time, that's empowering, you know, it's empowering to be able to make their, grow their own medicine, like, which is happening in, I think in Thailand, which is already happening. It's already like, happening in America. People still like, even though you could buy CBD, there are some of the old school guys that just do their own thing. You know, um, you know, you, we have the right to, I think, grow like a, a one or a couple of plants or whatever that is in our, in our house. Um, and I know people that literally do this, right. Because they're just yeah. very much into, I want to do this myself. I want to put the love into the plant. Like there's a oh. lot of connection to this plant, you know, not just from a, I need to just use it for my healing, but it's like, they're loving the plant too. Right. Because, you know, it's giving them sustenance, right? So there's this like relationship that's there with the people that actually work with the medicine. I think they're going to continue to work with the medicine as long as it's it's legal within their own right to do so. It's just traditional ways are never going to die. I think I think that teaches us to keep things alive. And I mm. think um, you know, even though we'll we'll be able to go to the store and buy our own CBD bottle, we're not going to sit at home and make one. But there are people that do that, you know, and they 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 might be making a more special tincture. Yeah. For yeah, a they often situation. come to my shop to try and sell it to me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's what those guys are doing. That's right. Well, I have one question. Uh, you know, I was looking at your profile, man, and you know, my uh, one of our, our agency was called um, it's called Golden Lotus Media, right? And uh, and I saw this, and I was like, the Black Lotus Karate Club. I'm like, I gotta ask yeah. Joseph about this one. So tell me a little bit about you know what's what's the Black Lotus Karate Club? You know, because as a music lover, I saw you saw put Q-tip in there. And I was like, yeah, oh, my God, yeah. I have to ask Joseph about this one. I didn't even ask him about this one. We were in China. So tell us right. about the Black Lotus Karate Club. Back in the day, I, was, I started a company called Bash. Bash was given a big building. Um, uh -huh. And uh, I had a, a number of friends and directors I worked with. And um, one of them came to me and was like, let's build a club. Um, and this is in Shoreditch in the middle of London. And I thought, great, let's do it. And um, they found the right partners. And um, we opened, I think, the largest club in Shoreditch. Had something like a thousand, one and a half thousand capacity, something like that. Huge capacity. Biggest club in the biggest party area of London. And we ran big parties there, including with Q-Tip and stuff. And the, and the name... I, I think I came up with a name and they all thought it was awful. And then they came back and went, well, we want to call it Black Lotus Karate Club. And I just went, okay, sounds great. Um, so it was a bit like a martial art, like a secret martial arts club. And we had taxi drivers trying to find out where it was for about six months. Cause it was, <laughs> but once you open that door, it's a huge, huge party space. So oh, yeah, I used, awesome. to have, used to have a lot of uh, parties, a lot of events. And the first time I ever went there, the, the door staff didn't know who I was and told me to queue up. Um, oh, wow. I had to take my keys out of my pocket and show them that I had the keys to the door that they were standing in front of. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it, it's been a journey. And, and the nightlife industry is fantastic. It's worth about five billion, six billion in the UK per year. Need a lot of change in it. Um, that yeah. club was the run on renewable energy. And I think we achieved a 97% recycling rate 
and wow that was wow. massive yeah yeah, yeah. that so, is massive I, yeah. and i know i remember you did a little bit something in a p1 if i wasn't mistaken back in china is that correct uh, a lot of things the p1 yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i ended up directing shanghai fashion week for them as well uh, yeah funny yeah lo loads of loads of stuff for p1 it's fantastic you know i really mainly about p1 is the people there i really loved the people i was working with they're such genuine people and they've gone on to do so well such success um, right. I believe the company has been, since been sold for getting closer to a billion dollars or something ridiculous wow that's crazy i remember when they just first started when we were there that was yeah, yeah 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 so they've done so well and i'm so happy for all of them and and that's, that's awesome. been a, that's a great you know it's like one of those things you look back and you go yeah that was that it's the right the right thing to be doing at the right time um yep. that's again that was another emerging industry you know it's a internet in china <laughs> yeah yeah um, that that's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, technologically, yeah, another thing. Um, That's awesome. Well, I mean, so, so Joseph, if people want to learn more about your business, yourself, um, you know, London CBD, obviously we'll put the links in the, in, in the description here. But, you know, if you can tell the audience out there what's one major thing to look out for for uh, like LDN CBD uh, in the next uh, yeah. upcoming year, what's one major thing that you guys are uh, going to be doing that you want to announce and, and kind of share with the people? Yeah, so as I said, the first year didn't do any marketing. Second year, I thought, okay, well, we probably should make this a business. Um, we've gone through and done all the SAP systemization and we've done all the verification that we needed to do legally, compliant, etc. And um, we've decided to raise some money to grow bigger and to open more stores. And we're looking for anyone who could be a partner or who would like to be interested to to invest in that. And our aim really is, our aim is to be, you know, around the world, but not so many, maybe 15 shops in key locations. Um, and partly that's because uh, of the kind of culture and the, and the, the way that we want to build the brand. Um, but yeah, so we're raising capital. I've been speaking to people who sometimes waste your time, sometimes are very fascinating and others some very interesting conversations coming up. Um, mm -hmm. We're also launching, I think, two or three new products in a very short amount of time. So we've awesome. got to have a whole new own brand range coming out, uh, a rebrand of the store. Yeah, it's the full caboot. So it's an exciting time, really. Um, and, uh, you know, again, our main purpose is to make sure that they're quality, good quality products, get into people who need them, and no bullshit around that, no fanfare. No, we don't really, like, we don't want to sex it up. We don't want to market it up, you know. We just want to say, well, this is it, like this this is it, you can get great stuff here and, and reliable. And that's like, it's kind of all that people need, really. Um, so we've taken quite a utilitarian approach on that, but we have got some very lovely products coming out. And so far, the people have been trying them beforehand. They're just, they, they can't get enough. So um, Awesome, man. I love it. Where, where can they go to check out, check out the new products? Yeah, so they'll be uh, online. I think there's, we have like a countdown timer going on on Instagram and a countdown on, on our website. And I, I, it's a... L like the letters L D N C B D. Um, and if you type that in, um, either on Instagram or, or on, on the internet, you'll find us. We, we, or you just type, I think you type in CBD shop London, we're number one. You type in, CBD. oh wow, yeah, we, we're like we're pretty high up on ranking by doing nothing again. Well, not doing nothing, we did we make great products when we serve people, that's our key, you know. That's um, awesome. And one of the things I'd love to do is, is extend the shops outwards so that we can continue to get 40% return rate. We can create little communities 
around people who can help and sustain each other and 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 help each other grow you know and then take it beyond cbd take it beyond the plants take it beyond the medicine into their own lives into their families and, and lead a better life absolutely man well i'm excited to see what you have going on for the rest of the year and the other verticals you know i know you're going to be back on this show again uh, next time I'm kind of dropping a couple other golden nuggets, maybe another new company of some kind that you're probably going to be involved in, and, or just to give us an awesome update on how LDN CBD is doing. But um, once again, thank you so much for being on the Canada Playbook, Joseph. I mean, this was amazing, man. I mean, I think we, we covered a range of topics. One of the biggest things that people don't think about when they're getting into the CBD space, it's not just about making money. It's about what you're trying to accomplish in this space and how are you getting back to that industry that you're taking from, right? That sustainability approach. And not many businesses that, that we see on the show or that we deal with on, on an agency basis have that. So, you know, definitely, man, hats off to you, man. I, I love what you're doing. The company looks great. It's super clean and just love what you guys are doing with the front line. I mean, a lot of more companies need to definitely install some type of education or a way to facilitate that customer, you know, centric approach because that's the only way that this, this industry is going to grow the right way, you know, and not have a lot of those, you know, oil snake salesmen out there. Thank you so much for what you're doing for the, for the UK and the European community. Thank you, Smith. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you Absolutely. Man. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and found some value in it. If you guys liked today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe and give us a review so other amazing entrepreneurs can discover the industry and get value just like yourself. We are always looking for anyone working and providing value in the cannabis space. So if you feel you have a brand and a story to tell on the Cannabis Playbook, reach out to us at Incubator, that's I-N-C-U-B-A-T-O-R at CannabisPlaybook.com and someone from our team will reach out. Once again, we appreciate you all and keep living, keep growing, and keep taking action.